I already hit record on everything, so we're rocking and rolling. I'm super um, into it. Yeah, I actually. So one of the things that I really wanted to get started, and I was trying to think about this as we were like going into this conversation. I was trying to think about how we actually ended up connecting initially. That's something I've been realizing. Oh. Like, I meet so many people in so many different ways, and like I was just telling Grace the other day how like it's weird to me the fact that people today know me only as a filmmaker and videographer. Yeah. And they have no clue of my six year history working in coffee or any of, or even the fact that I'm from California. Yeah. And so now, and then, you know, going into like transitioning into this new year, like I have people that only know me through the fact that like I'm into health and wellness stuff too. So I was trying to think through, and I honestly don't even know where we ended up really connecting. I know it's through Instagram, but beyond that, everything's kind of a little bit fuzzy. It's that's such an interesting, uh, point. And I think about this a lot because I, I'm also really aware that there are whole pieces of my story missing also for people that have sort of just come into my sphere recently within the last couple of years, um, who, who also don't know yeah, you know, where I came from or what my background is or that I had a, you know, 15 year career in the beauty industry and yeah, that everything else that I, that I've done that I've, um, lived kind of all over and, um, yeah, we have these passing connections. I, from what I vaguely remember, I know it was through ebb and float. Yes. Because they were doing sound baths and other events and things. And I think at the time I know for, I know for a fact that I was like going through a lot of like whenever they would like have events and stuff. And I was trying to like find people that were going kind of knowing that like those were going to be people that were interested into a lot of the same like health and modality and things. Mm -hmm. And I think I just like went on a following spree and I think you were probably one of those people. Yeah. That definitely would have been the connection point. Um, because I, got connected with the owners and, uh, was part of a marketing campaign that they did Okay, because I was friends with the photographer who was doing that. Okay. Awesome. And, mm-hmm, and so I was ta- like getting tagged a lot and I was spending a lot of time there yeah. through 2019 and 2020 before I left. And, um, mm-hmm. So that makes total sense. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yes. And it is, uh, when you, mm -hmm, when you reached out to me, yes, it was interesting because again, we have this sort of digital presence, but enough mutual connection points, physical, tangible mutual connection points to sort of make connecting easy. Yes. In some contexts. It, it's interesting that you say it like that because that's something that I think about all the time and I've realized like I get in my own head about reaching out to people more than I care to admit. Mm-hmm. And I think part of, I remember reaching out to you and kind of just this like, I think it was one of those moments where it had to be, I know for me at the time at least, it had to be something where I had like 
you know, watched a Instagram story or something, I think it was like after seeing enough of like what you were putting out content wise, I realized, you know, I was in the middle of doing my series and I was like, I need to find really interesting people, but also people that like are kind of outside of this, like, I don't want to say like sphere of popularism, Mm -hmm. but like the, you know, everyone knows all of the people that run all the top businesses in Columbus. Yeah. And so when they see those people in the series, they're like, cool, we get it. We're going to follow. This is a great thing. But then when they start also seeing the people that like, you know, aren't necessarily in that, they also are like, wait, but if he sees these people on the same playing field, like there's got to be something important here. Yeah. And that was something a friend like really challenged me when I was doing the series. You know, she was like, hey, like, I love that you're doing all this stuff, but like you're kind of featuring people that are doing cool things. And yeah. I was like, well, that's my philosophy. Like it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to be doing something interesting. So, yeah. And I think, um, it is really important when we are talking about community and connections and building I don't want to use the word progress. I'm a little bit, I'm having an issue with that word right now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sort of creating new ways and organizing efforts, right? And, and creating community, changing culture, uh, all of, all of the things that I'm really very passionate about. It's really important to look at it as a holistic effort. It's not just the people who are the face of your favorite coffee shop. It's all of the people that are around them sharing wisdom, inspiring, holding space for them and for everybody. Yeah. It's everybody. And it's maybe something that I would like to hear talked about more. So I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's kind of the whole point of this. Yeah. I think like... It's also to to kind of build off of that, you know, it's this idea that it's like they're the people that are the important people making the big changes, the, you know, as much as you love or hate them, the Jeff Bezos and Elon Musks of the world mm-hmm. that are, you know, pushing the needle forward on this like societal and cultural and whether or not that's good or bad topic for another that's time. That's not the conversation. That's not the conversation. <laughs> but on a micro level in, you know, our communities, there's the business owners that run the space and put up the risk and the collateral to open this community. But then there's the people every single day that are supporting that through, you know, running the cafe, making sure that the baked goods are put out on time. Like there's all these different people that have all these different roles. And I think it's really interesting because the more I dive down this rabbit hole of like, you know, when it comes to like minimum wage increase and all these other things, it's like, you can go down that trail and get to the end and say, yeah, everyone needs to be making $10,000 an hour because I can justify every single piece of that puzzle. But I think one of the things that I'm trying to like process right now is more the emotional awareness of that because there's something very different from like my friend Lorenzo, who is like an in-home chef that is constantly pushing the boundaries of how he cooks and does things versus someone who's like a line cook at McDonald's where they're basically just reheating food. Right. And it's like, 
there's something to be said for like the intention that goes into it. And it's, I think there's, you know, no limit to what someone can earn Mm -hmm. if they know how to set the right intentions going into their job. Mm -hmm. And it's as soon as we put this, like, you know, I don't care attitude on certain jobs that we start to realize very quickly that it's like, oh yeah, like, no, this person should make $9 an hour because they're only putting $9 an hour worth of effort into this. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to say like, what is that effort level? But I don't know. It's a tr- that's tricky. Um, and that was like 36 different directions. Totally. I no, no, like- no. That's it's good because I, it's part of the fun for me with this, like never knowing where it's going to go. And also yeah. there's a level of challenge with choosing my words correctly <laughs> and I mean, trying not to put my foot in my mouth, I mean, which is like a specialty of mine. <laughs> so it. it's all good. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, like I, I agree with you and, and, I work with artists and that's what I'm really passionate about. And art looks all kinds of ways. Art looks like Lorenzo crafting his meals and pushing boundaries and trying new things and setting new standards and, you know, really showing up for that creative process. Um, And I vow, you know, because I value that so highly and I believe that that is the thing that really nurtures a society. Uh, I absolutely agree with you that, you know, not everything is equal in worth or value might be a better word. Yeah. And it's a little tricky because I do believe that everybody deserves a certain security. That's not the right word either. That's kind of like a, not the right thing to say. Um, I, I feel like I know where you're going with that, where it's like, everyone needs to feel safe because that's a basic human need. And a livable wage is part of that in a capitalist society. Yes. And so, yeah. But then I also like, I might regret saying this publicly, but here we go. I know. Um, Everybody can use this against me later. It's fine. Yeah. I might change my mind. But I do, I do, okay. I would really, I know you're going to agree with me, so it's not a big deal. But <laughs> I, I would really like to see entities like McDonald's, since you reference them, yeah. just disappear. And therefore, 100%. a $9 an hour, and, and then of course there's like the outcries like, but jobs and this and like, yeah. no, fuck that. Like, yeah. please, we can do better. Yeah. <laughs> please, well, please can we do better? <laughs> I mean, shoot, I you have like, weirdly specific perfect timing for this because like right before you came over I was listening to like my you know news commentary to like you know 2020 was a shit show of a year and it like one of the like positive slash negatives that came out of it is I've been like way more invested in like what's going on in the world outside of my sphere of yeah happening yeah which has been both good and bad but everything is exactly <laughs> to, to bring it back to what I was going to say though uh, I was just learning today, like one of the big things going on is uh, all these like meatpacking companies are now under fire mm. because they're basically intentionally raising prices for the consumer. But people like my friends that run a farm are also like barely bringing anything in yep. because all of that profit is going to the middleman that is processing everything. 
And so to tie that into McDonald's and all these companies going away, you know, that just ties into our industrial food system, which is a whole shit show in and of itself yeah, that needs to go away. Yeah, we could do a whole episode away. on that because oh, I'm, I'm really on a tear with that right now. Same. Yeah. It like, I think part of it for me is like, I also, I can understand and see that, you know, there's all these people that want all these systems to die and go away, but they're also trying to make these systems die and go away by playing by the rules of those systems yeah. and in those systems. And it's like when I, you know, uh, something that clicked in my head like probably like two weeks ago was this idea that in no other time in history did we have the ability for someone to cook for you until this modern age. Mm -hmm. And now we've just like assumed across the board that you need to be able to go get ready, ready to eat food at the drop of a hat and it needs to cost $2 for a meal. Wild? Like. There's no logic. There's zero logic. There's no to that. logic. It's wild. I'm really on a. Uh, I was just telling Sarah, who I live with on her farm, uh, that I'm I'm really more and more, and this is sparking because I finally have access to land and a lifestyle yeah. to support this effort. Really into the idea of food sovereignty and, uh, you know, reorganizing the way that we share food in communities and I mean, curate food, share food, just the efforts. Um, one of my favorite Instagram accounts, I've been sharing some of, of his content, Sylvanaga yeah. Farms, and he, I'm really loving what he's doing. I'm about to join his Patreon because I'm so curious and I'm, I'm yeah. really, really into it. I love his messaging and he has this very grounded, very centered positioning and solutions to boot, which is the thing that I am not finding most people, most people are bitching, but they have no solution. Can I swear on your podcast? Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. If you listen to mine, it's probably an F word every five <laughs> seconds. Um, yeah. You know, th but, but nobody's offering solution, not nobody, but most people are not offering solutions. They are yep. complaining or on the other side, justifying, right? Yep. And it's like, okay, but what are we going to do about this? Because I'm freaking tired. Like, I'm real, real tired. And, uh, that's an interesting place to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's actually really interesting. I think about this. I realize now saying this, I've said the word, this is really interesting. And I think about, <laughs> apparently that's all I do every day. Um, I've been thinking about a lot from my like childhood and like things that were like brought up because uh, to address the point of like, there are people that just want to complain about problems, but they don't want to offer any solutions. Mm -hmm. And I see this just across the board, you know, you name a political talking point right now and you have a thousand people yelling what's wrong with the thing, but bare, like maybe like one or two people are like, no, but like, here's the solution. Yeah. And then everyone's like, no, no, no. We don't want to take accountability and yeah. actually implement the solution because it would require exactly. accountability. Like it would require work. Yeah. Um, it's actually, a. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out how to like word this the best. Cause I think like, you know, a lot of people, and I know we've like discussed this a lot, are like adverse to the idea of doing hard work. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is manifested now in this idea of like, you know, I see more and more people are like, we should adopt a four day work week. And I'm like, okay, but like, what are you going to do with those do extra with three days? <laughs> like, exactly. Like, you You're know, going to lay around. I mean, I think about, I look at my behavior, like the first two weeks of the pandemic, like I didn't do anything. Mm. And like, it's cool that like 
you know, for Grace and I, we were able to figure out very quickly, like, oh, we're not doing anything. We're also not going to sacrifice on our food quality. So we don't need to be eating three, four meals a day. We dialed back our food to, we ate dinner at like 3.30 or whatever. And that was like our meal, Mm -hmm. but we still cooked the same quality food because we were able to realize like, we don't need to be eating as much. We're not expending all that. And that's something, you know, man, my brain is going but there's, an, there's an education but, yeah. p- piece to that, right? Where you all understand that and you have the education to support that. Exactly. And I was in a similar place. And I mean, for me, like that only comes from years of therapy and learning about food through my uh, eating disorder stuff. Yeah. But being able to, to like weigh out and understand, you know, what is nutrient dense, what is not, what's worth putting in my body, what's not. Also, Absolutely. like how much energy am I expending? Where is it going? I think, you know, on the subject of, um, and I'm going to spin a little bit yeah, different okay. direction, but I think that's I love what, it. what we're here for Yeah. on the subject of, oh, hang on. What was I going to say? I thought drop a lot. It's a thing. It's okay. <laughs> I do the same thing. We were just talking about, um, hard, the hard work hard thing. Work. So I do think, and this has been my experience that when you are doing work, that is not really meaningful for you with your values, right? Not, and I'm going to use the word align, which is some kind of new age jargon that I'm kind of repulsed by, but I don't have a better way to speak to it right now. I think people understand it. When you're aligned with your values, when you're in integrity, and that is a word that I really like, uh, that's a priority for me. It's not exhausting to work hard. Oh, hundred percent. And also, it is in a positive way. I sleep really well at night. I was very addicted to Ambien for six years. Yeah. I trained myself to sleep about five years ago. I made started making that effort, changed my habits, took accountability for that, kicked the cats out of the bedroom, like, yep. you know, started working through it, worked with hypnosis, all kinds of things, but also changed my daytime habits to support. I stopped taking naps. Um, oh. all, all of the things that I had to do to support sleeping at night, I finally did it. Yeah. So, uh, Wow, my brain too. I'm all over the place. This is great. Okay. This is no, it's great. Yeah, this is exciting. So understanding that when you are doing work that doesn't necessarily feel meaningful or is in line with your values, which I would say another way to say that is valuable. Yes. Um it can feel like you need a break. Yeah. Right? So this this kind of like fight for more downtime, more rest. Like I get it because as a result of the way that we have been working for these last probably 50 years yeah. or maybe since the industrial revolution started, the way that we have been focused on productivity, the way that we've defined productivity, I th- think that there is a major opportunity to redefine what it means to be productive. I'm obsessed yeah. with productivity oh, and I sleep a lot. I do sometimes take take naps now. Um, I lay down in the middle of every day and give myself in- intentional time to daydream and fantasize and go to a really watery emotional place because I need yeah. that. And then I clear that out and I get back to fucking work. I have a lot of pride in the fact that I'm spinning eight major products projects right now. Yeah. 
I have the capacity for doing that. I didn't believe that I had, and I didn't really have for a long time through my 20s and my early 30s until I decided that I wanted to have a greater capacity for responsibility, for taking care of my business, just for life in general, and to be more resilient and also to have the skills to support that, but maybe even more importantly, to be doing work that I love doing. And I'm not, I don't love everything that I'm doing. I yeah. mean, I have a part-time I mean, job that like I would really love to not be working. But I also am like, but would I really love to not be working it? Because like we just I just go and we shoot the shit and I lift heavy things and I interact with people and I get to be a smart ass and people think I'm funny. <laughs> yep. And you know, I tell it like it is, which has kind of always been my shtick, and people love it until I'm telling them like it is <laughs> and they don't like that. Yeah. But uh you know, it gets me out. It's it's community oriented. It's great. And and that will eventually be replaced with some other effort. But it's wonderful. Yeah. And I, I just, uh, this is the last point I want to make on this. I just shared this on my podcast and I put a clip on my, on my Instagram. Um, I was talking about kind of my relationship to chaos and my the times that I have been the most well when I have been the most connected and just the happiest and yeah. felt the best are the times that I haven't been afraid of being exhausted or oh, overwhelmed or like being out in life. And it was exactly that realization that I had in 2016 when I was like, oh my God, like I'm putting myself in, in uh, bubble wrap. Like yeah. I, I'm like af afraid of everything. Yeah. And I didn't think that I was up until that point. But when I looked really objectively and got really fucking honest with myself, I was like, oh, the reason I feel like shit all the time is because I'm avoiding everything and I'm not being honest about it. Oh, I'm 100%. afraid of being tired. You know, and then I was. I was exhausted. I have fibromyalgia and all kinds of chronic bullshit that, I, that I've been dealing with my whole life. Lots of mental health issues. Yeah. But I... Everything, all of that changed when I got honest and oh. put myself out into the world. It's it's wild how you get to like see a lot of those changes happen like almost overnight mm -hmm. when you start being willing to like put yourself into that position where you're like, I'm going to do something that's hard. And like, I am equally as guilty of this. Sorry, Jose. Uh, <laughs> I work out until I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. And then I'm just like, okay, like. I justify it with, you know, some bullshit excuse like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, lifting heavier weights, so I need to do less reps or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then I, like, catch myself and, like, like no, like, you're using all these things as excuses, but you're not actually putting in the hard work to, like, really grow and expand as a person. Yeah. Something through what you were just talking about that kind of came up, how did you find yourself being able to, like, expand your ability to endure to like have a bigger capacity to work to not have the burnout to not feel like you were afraid of everything in the world because yeah. I think right now and it's like you know something that's getting addressed more and more as we start to understand the like neuroscience behind it but it's like if you constantly want your dopamine to be a you know a 13 Ugh. 13 out of 10 yeah then be prepared to be suicidal depressed yes. all the time like all these different feel things because like you're gonna hate your experience exactly like your body's trying to bring you back to that middle ground and so it's like you know i think we like talked about this last week but like 
being able to put yourself in those positions where you can like go towards that pain, whether it's a really hard workout or, you know, addressing some sort of emotional thing that you're working through trauma. Um, how do you feel like you were able to like start to expand and what was like some of the first directions that you found, you know, finding that path of least, least resistance that you were able to like go towards those hard things? Okay. So it's a lot of things. Um, and I, I actually really love talking about this, but I don't talk so much about it anymore because I feel like a broken record, but I, I think it's so important that people hear this. Um, yeah. and whatever part of it you hear that resonates, just take that Yeah, and let everything else I mean, go. Um, so I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia in 2014 and I was pissed about it because yeah. I had been, so I was 30 at the time since I was 17 dealing with this and trying to get diagnoses, uh, getting written off and gaslit by doctors, um, medicated into oblivion. I, uh, at one point was diagnosed bipolar. I've, I've just been through, through the gamut until yeah. I went back and advocated for myself, like whether or not this is true. I, I have a different understanding. I'm not, I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking out. Like, no, thank you. Um, and so when I was diagnosed in 2014 with the fibromyalgia at the Mayo clinic, um, I was really mad because I felt like like I was at a point where I, I was exhausted by everything, uh, in so much pain that I was starting to understand why people get addicted to pain pills and why people with chronic pain commit suicide. Yeah. And um, I was really, really suffering. And I just wanted, a, I wanted an answer. I wanted a magic pill. I didn't want an answer of, oh, you have this thing going on in your brain. Sorry. But honestly, that's what it was. <laughs> and it's, yeah. I mean, it's in the body. It's real. Like these, there are, these are physical manifestations of emotional and, and, uh, well, of emotions and emotional trauma yes. being stored in the body and needing to release energy in a certain kind of way. And also it is a condition in the body that is created by the brain being programmed a certain kind of way. And so, you know, it was, there was a, not articulating that well at all, but my, I got to, okay. So when I got diagnosed, the Mayo Clinic had at the time, and this was like almost 10 years ago. So I'm sure that they have advanced their research. Maybe, I don't know. I don't want to say hopefully medical (laughs) salvation. Um, hopefully they've, uh, uh, advanced in their research in the way that they present information. But I actually feel like I was really lucky to be living in Minnesota at that time and have access to Mayo because they did have a state of the art, uh, facility for this. So they had a whole department that was devoted to researching fibromyalgia and treating it. Um, and one of the things that they offered was like a class for patients who had been diagnosed and their families to understand what this condition is, and how to live with it. And I'm not sure that they ever said heal it, but maybe they did. And I just wrote it off because I was so angry. (laughs) I have known a couple other people with fibromyalgia and from my conversations with them, their approach is basically just like, you're going to have this for the rest of your life. Here's your list of medication. And, and that's it. Um, 
most people that I have known with fibromyalgia and with most mental health order, with most mental health disorders for that matter, are resigned to that experience. And um, does that say Sacramento? Oh yeah, you're from Probably. California too. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and so, you know, it was like, and that was probably another part of the reason I was so angry at the time. Cause I was like, yeah, I just want this to be better. I can't live like this. I, I can't. Um, but one of the things that they taught in this class was about creativity yes. and about doing creative things just to do them, not to make something beautiful, not to sell something, not to actually have any point than just to do this thing that is different than what you would normally be doing. And I started to learn there about neural pathways and about the brain. Yeah. And my mom sent me all these color bo coloring books and, um, you know, colored pencils. And I, I played around a little bit. And it, it's just those micro shifts. And I think this is something that I is so important to it's, it's like, I could never pinpoint an exact moment when things changed for me because it was all of these micro shifts that I made over the course of like 20 years. Yeah. And all of the things that I had to learn along the way, right? Through that process. So I started kind of playing around with that and understanding that my brain was just doing what it had been habituized, habituized, habituated. Habituated? Sure. <laughs> Habitized? Yeah. Um, it was doing what I had allowed it to make into my autopilot. Yeah. Right? My default. And part of that was that when I was triggered, when I felt threatened, when I was stressed, my brain was sending signals to my body that there was something wrong. And I could go really deep into uh, why this happened for me, but I don't think this is the space to do that necessarily. Um, but for I will sure. say that I learned very young that being sick or having something physically wrong with my body was a safe way to get out of doing things. And it was a safe way to get my emotional needs met. And so that is what happened for me. Yeah. Um, so... I kind of started playing with that, but I was still kind of like in this victim space of like, okay, this is a thing that's happening to me and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Right. And that to me is really important. Yes. So, <laughs> um, what was your exact question? Take me back to the, to the point here. Bring me back to, if you can. Yeah. Uh, I was primarily trying to hit on like maybe like one or two executable things <laughs> that yeah. like, if someone's like, you know, they're in that victim mentality. Cause like I had a very similar experience to you in like this path, you know, 2021 for me was like, I call it my correction year to mm. the ironically really great year that was 2020. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this year was like the most like depression, mental health, just like yeah. bottom of the barrel living in the scum, like you know, victimizing every single thing, self-sabotaging every single project coming my way. Like it just, this year was a, an objective nightmare across yeah. the board, but it was like brutal two to three <laughs> months ago that I kind of had this like aha moment where I was like, oh, like I'm choosing 
98% of the way I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, not to discredit because obviously like emotions like make us feel a certain way. And there are things that do happen to us yeah. that create certain and thought very patterns. very real. Very much. Yeah. But once you start to realize that like most of the way that you think and address things is because of what you're choosing. Yes. It's really easy to just be not easy. It's a quick decision to say, okay, I'm going to make a difference and not go down this path anymore. Mm. And yes, those emotions still come up. They still hit me like a freight train at yeah. the most random times. But most of the time now, I'm at least aware enough to be able to, you know, go work out if I feel myself feeling a certain yeah. way because I know that if I can get out of my head into my body, that's going to be gonna a way that's it. like allow me to shift and I can look at those thoughts a little bit more objectively without the emotional baggage of whatever's causing me to like have a panic attack. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, totally. Um, we, and I was just talking to my friend Ashley about this on my podcast and she said, you know, we can't always choose our thoughts and our emotions, but we can choose our behavior. Yes. And it is action that is going to most often shift uh your energy out of that space. And so precisely I was finding in that moment that part of the reason I was suffering and having all of these symptoms is because like I said earlier, I was putting myself in that bubble wrap yeah. and I was not allowing myself to express. I, all of that, that built up energy, all of that, that needed to come out. It was just like trapped in my head. And so a couple of things that I did. Um, one, the big one was travel. And I'm really, really passionate about that. I yeah. went, uh, I started traveling internationally intentionally at the end of 2016. I went on a very long trip to South America. And I nice. did that because I was like really aware after the things that transpired for me that year, 2016, holy shit, that I was really weak <laughs> and not honest, pretty manipulative pretty yeah. lazy, pretty shitty yeah. and, um, scared. Yeah. And very insecure. And, um, I was really tired of myself in that moment. And I, based on what I learned at the Mayo Clinic, and that's why I started telling that story really was beginning to understand that my habits were all kinds of a mess. Like I was just a mess because my autopilot was to dissociate, to check out, just to retreat to my head. I wasn't present like ever. Um, all kinds of bad habits, just an absolute mess. And I was like, I need to go where I literally cannot exist on this autopilot if I want to survive. Yes. And I'm just extreme like that. So I left. Um, I went as I went as far out of my comfort zone as I could. I know Spanish, so that was important. Like, okay, at least I have the language. Nice. Um, but I I mean, I, I did something I'd never done before, and I was by myself because that was the other thing that I was like, I really like being alone, but some yeah. for some reason I'm not like letting myself be alone, and that's not working for me. Um, so I needed to go and build that confidence. But it was really the rewiring of the neural pathways through full immersion in another environment because I just wanted it to be fast. I yeah. did not want to exist in that uh, state for another second. Yeah. 
And so that was a big one. Um, and then just creative pursuits in general. I started writing again, which has always been a part of my identity. Nice. I started drawing, which I'm not any good at. And I do it because it's fun. And yeah. I'm like, what happens if I do this? Fuck yeah. it. You know, where I, I never gave myself permission to do that before. Um, I've always got all kinds of things going on. And then the other thing that I really started holding myself accountable to was follow through because nice. I didn't want to be someone yeah. who didn't follow through someone who talked a lot and, you know, never showed up. Uh, I knew that I needed to improve my focus. Uh, I have an ADHD diagnosis and a lot of stuff going on in here. So it was really like, how can I learn to master what's going on in there more? Um, there were all kinds of things. I mean, I also definitely started to change my diet. Was a nice. big part of it, and that was none of this happened overnight. So for anybody who who is like listening and trying to take something away, like I said earlier, just micro shifts. Yeah, micro shifts. <laughs> like I call it scaling. It's not realistic to think that you know you're gonna go from eating junk, yeah, <laughs> to fully 100% eating zero junk. I mean, I still eat yeah. some stuff that I'm like, I'm just going to eat this and I'm going to enjoy it. It's yeah. going to be great. And I know what the consequences is. I'm Consequence is I'm going to have brain fog for a day. I'm going to be fatigued, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but more and more, I don't do that Yeah. because I like feeling good. You're consciously aware of good. what you're going to be feeling post that situation. Yeah. And I know mm -hmm. what I'm giving up for yes. that experience. And sometimes it's worth it. Yeah. You know, like, sometimes have, I'm like, I'm going to eat this because this ex this place that I am right here and right now is going to be great. Exactly. Like, you know, sacrifice one good night's sleep to go out, have the drinks with friends, like build the community, the like yeah. emotional side of it that you're getting from that is going to be way, you know, bigger and better yeah. than the like perfect night of sleep that yeah. you're giving up for it. But if it becomes a habit, so that's the, that's my exactly. big thing. Like, you know, I, I fuck with a lot of things that, um, people tell you not to fuck with. Yeah. And for me, it's, and a lot of things that are like normal, very normal coffee. I love coffee. Yeah. Right. Uh, but f I am very intentional whenever something becomes, starts to become a habit, I stop. Oh, I stop for a while. I do it with weed. I do it with coffee. I do it with, uh, a lot of things like, not even just like, like things that you ingest, yeah. Uh, I want to make sure always that I'm not an addict Yeah, and that I'm choosing intentionally, like for, for a purpose, Yeah, you know, what is the purpose of me having this coffee today? Is it because I need it or I'm going to get a headache? Then I don't want it. Then I need a break Exactly, because it's affecting me yeah. in a way that I don't want to be affected. If I want to have this coffee because I have great company, I'm in a coffee shop that I know has killer espresso exactly. and it's just going to be so delicious. And, uh, yeah, I could use a jolt of caffeine today. Sure. Yeah. It's, and I think kind of to like tie into your first point with like traveling and all that other stuff, like I think part of, uh, the thing that I find like super applicable and have like had a lot of really good experiences in my own life is this idea of like the pattern disrupt, mm -hmm. you know, where it's like you're on autopilot, you do the same thing every day, but then it's like when you switch over to do something that is not part of that. Yeah. Like I am obsessed with learning new skills and I had like, I've had two times in my life that I've seen this like directly get 
like applied to something I'm doing and I don't realize it until like two years later. And then I'm like, oh, no wonder that worked exactly how it was supposed to because of all these factors that lined up. Uh, The first was actually today or not today, but this year's the 10 year anniversary of completing a new year's resolution in 2012 or 2011 going into 2012 I in front of my like closest like seven friends you know I was like fresh out of high school not really sure where I was going in life having the like reality of my dad was like okay you need to either go to school or get a job and you're going to start paying rent and me always looking for the third door opportunity was like I'm going to do neither of those (laughs) but I'm going to do something so crazy that you're not gonna like you're going to be okay with it. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I know he'll listen to this. So. <laughs> um, but in front of all my friends, I kind of had this like realization moment where I was like, I did cross country all throughout high school, junior high. Like I was always like distance runner, did triathlons, like those types of things, called myself a runner and had a realization that New Year's Eve that I hadn't run in like two years. Uh-huh. And I was like, what I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Told my friends, I was like, you know what? I'm going to run 10 miles every single day for the year. That's it. And I remember every single one of their responses because it was like the one friend, she was like, yeah, like, I'll believe you like mm. New Year's of next year. Like, you talk a lot and don't actually do anything. Mm. And one of my friends was like super into like, you know, working out and whatever. And he was like, you know, the typical like, good luck, you're going to do this. So fast forward, New Year's Eve 2012, like did the whole thing. Like my mom like went above and beyond and made this like really cool, you know, journal of like all my Facebook statuses made, you know, our New Year's Eve party was like marathon themed and she made like the end, like finish line of the race, (laughs) like all the things like it was like. That's so special. It was so special and so emotional and like every once in a while, like I, you know, I never really like went and like posted all the photos from it, but I'll like go through and like see that time. And it was like a wild experience to me. And I was just reflecting on it because I just hit the 10 year anniversary of it. I was like, okay, like I got to do something crazy going into this year. You know, spoiler alert for anyone listening. I didn't plan anything crazy this year. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing. Um, But I, in the past several years of learning how to learn, I realized that... I'm sorry. Can we pause on that statement? Yeah. Learning how to learn. I would like, like to talk more about that later because that also was something that I did that... When yeah. I was talking about focus, I started to reteach myself, maybe teach myself for the first time how to learn. Oh, 100%. And how to be disciplined. Well, so it's going to all tie together okay. and I think you're going to love this. So I, I realized... Yeah. Like I realized going into this year and reflecting on that time in my life the reason that this new year's resolution worked out the way it did, I had the social credit of setting a massive goal. Mm -hmm. 3,000. And it was a fucking leap year. (laughs) 3,660 miles. Like what the fuck? Yeah, that's insane. Um, How are your knees? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Another topic for another day. Uh, Not as bad as you think though. Right. Um, You know, so there was that. So the monumental task, the social credit of like people being impressed with what I was doing, I told the people that I knew were going to hold me accountable. Totally. 
And I also, and this is like one thing that I advocate for people. And I like didn't realize that I advocate for this until now understanding it. I'm going to be posting about this until the end of time. Use social media as like a proper accountability tool. Mm. The reason that I was able to do that New Year's resolution is because every single day I posted a Facebook post. It had a countdown of Ah. my mileage and some witty thing that I wrote. Every single day I had like at least, and it wasn't always the same five people, Mm -hmm. but I had at least like five to 10 people engaging with that yeah, because they wanted to track the progress and they wanted to be a part of this bigger thing. Yeah. And then I also engaged people with it. I, you know, invited people. I'm like, hey, if you want to come on a run with me, like you don't have to do the full 10 miles. You can do whatever section of it that you want. Make the barrier to entry really low. Fast forward, that completed. That was a success. Then now like coming into this other side of things uh, is more recent whenever I made the transition to full-time with freelance. The reason that that was able to work is because I was also doing yoga for the first time. Mm, mm -hmm. And that was such a weird, like I didn't realize how this was working until I literally read a book. Uh, It's called Limitless by Jim Quick. Oh, you suggested that. I I suggest it to everyone because it just, it shed a light on learning that blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that it works and, you know, you're, referencing neural pathways the way your brain creates neural pathways is through skill acquisition yep and in a weird compounding factor if you're learning a basic skill like for me i had the accountability of learning how to do yoga for the first time Mm. and you combine that with a more complex skill that you're trying to master your brain is going to be primed in in a way better space to learn the complex skill like it's because you've already opened the pathways to learn. Yes, yes, yes. And so this makes so much sense. Having the accountability of going to a yoga class every single day, trying to learn something new, trying to get better at the poses, trying to like I had all these specific hard set goals that were measurable mm-hmm. and easy for me to do. And then you combine that with, okay, now I'm also trying to go from like, working for a boss my entire life to now trying to learn how to run my own business. Totally. And yeah. I learned so many things in that like one year time. That was my 2017. And exactly. Yeah. It was like, it was intense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, it makes so much sense. And definitely if I think back to like what I was doing, oh, so this is something that I uh, actually teach my clients Yeah. that I was doing. It's really simple. I started doing things with my non-dominant hand. That's huge. Teaching myself how to use, because what it does is it forces you to be present. It forces you. So, so I wash dishes with my non-dominant hand a lot. Um, nice. Not as much as I used to, because I'm yeah. pretty good at it now. Uh, it kind of <laughs> defeats the purpose. But yeah. if I take a break, then I got to go back to it. But I do still have to be really careful. If you're washing a knife with your non-dominant <laughs> hand, you got to fucking pay attention, right? Like yeah. It's the same, same concept for me as going somewhere to another country going somewhere where you have to be mindful of your environment so you don't get lost so you don't get taken advantage of so you don't lose your shit right all of that you have to pay attention when you are doing something new um and so that was a a big factor that i I really it's such a simple thing that you can do i draw now i draw with my left hand right handed draw with my left hand quite a lot yeah um 
because it's like, you know, when you're young, you're constantly stimulating your brain and it's not getting atrophied. It's not creating those habits quite the same way because you're trying new things. You've got to learn how to write. You've got to learn how to walk. You've got to learn how to read, right? Yeah. All those things. So continuing that learning process has been really, really, really essential. Uh, yeah. And I love everything that you just said because it's, it's just really logical. It's really, really simple when you stop to think about it. And if you're willing to take that level of accountability and show up for it and community keeps it right. You with the running, I I was thinking like, oh yeah, you're looping community in and, uh, accountability. I keep coming back to accountability and I feel in a lot of ways right now that we are living in a society that, well, we said this earlier, I'm a little bit loath to use these words, but I don't have a better way to say it. Like people don't want to work. Right. I I don't want to say it that way because like that's just a really politicized statement right now. And that is not the point, but there is an aversion to hard work in a lot of ways. We think that we should not have to do a certain thing and we're really selfish in that way. And a big shift for me, end of 2016, all through 2017, when I was doing what you were talking about doing, basically learning how to be accountable and be self-led and get shit done for, uh, for another purpose than not getting fired from my job, um, was accountability. And, I gave more of myself that year than I had ever probably previously given. And this is kind of counter, it's kind of paradoxical to, you know, talking about like boundaries and how we protect our energy and all of these things that are really hot topics right now. Um, so that's not really the point, but learning to be more generous with my time and my listening learning to pay better attention in my relationships and not make things so much about me being less self-centered, less in here, right. Expressing more. And so I was doing this thing this whole summer where I, because I had that, this big realization that part of the reason I was suffering was because I was not in integrity. I was not who I said I was in a lot of ways. My insides did not match my outsides. That was the way that it was coming through uh, with words for me, this understanding of like, I'm not expressing, I'm staying in my head. I'm not letting it out. And that's part of the reason why I don't feel well. Yeah. And so I was like having, I would have this visualization of like cracking my ribs open and like, like Care Bears, yeah. like, like letting it out because I also began to understand in that moment that if I didn't let, if I didn't open and let anything out, also nothing could really penetrate me. And that yeah. is not really any w- way to live. And no. really experience the world. That's that bubble wrap. Yeah. So I started just practicing that as a visualization and I would be out in public like, okay, Kelsey, just, and that doesn't mean that necessarily my behavior had to change, even though it did. It was really just an energetic practice of like, okay, just be open in this moment and also let other people in. Yeah. So my relationships changed in a major way that year because I started asking more questions, started engaging further, started really opening and making it, again, less about me yeah, and less one-sided and contractual feeling for that reason. And, uh, you know, now I don't really have any, I really don't have any patience for one-sided interactions anymore because I'm like, this is really lame. <laughs> like, yeah. No, thank like- you. Um, and taking accountability this is really the point here. Yeah. Taking responsibility and accountability for the way that I show up in the world 
for those interactions, being willing to give more than I thought that I could give to the right places. Yeah. But sometimes you don't know if it's the right place or not until you put it out there. It's true. Being willing to make mistakes publicly, that is vulnerability. Yeah. Right. And oh, 100%. I, I mean, it's something that I, I do as an everyday practice now through my social media, through these conversations. It's, it's really, really been an interesting ride and super rewarding. Like I said, my foot's in my mouth a lot, <laughs> but I, mean, I wouldn't really have it any other way because I, I love the way that I feel now. And after 20 years of just being absolutely fucking miserable, why would I go back? Yeah. I <laughs> honestly, I've been like starting to relate to that a little bit more and more, um, over, I mean, I think I, our first conversation was, I think like whenever I shot that video, which was like what, yeah, July 20. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like yep. July-ish 2020. And That's like, right. that would have been like peak pandemic insanity. Yep. And for me, I think we've like talked about this a little bit, but this pandemic has been just an absolute nightmare across the board mm -hmm. because from the like very first conversations that I had with people that were like, and I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, healthy people, like let's focus on trying to help people on this journey. And to everyone that told me, yeah, you can get healthy in two weeks. You're right. But a hundred and something weeks, yeah. you have no excuses at this point. And like, I know that, man, I've, I've had enough conversations on these podcasts. I'm like kind of concerned with being canceled, but also like, don't <laughs> give a shit anymore. Cause I definitely you know, give a it, shit. Like, and I, I really struggled with that. Cause last year I was running my mouth yeah, and I had some consequences and I don't like that. So I, what I was going to say is <laughs> I definitely had a lot of the same things and I realized, and I had the best way to like put a bow on this. I got in a lot of arguments in 2020, mm -hmm. like unapologetically, like I was intentionally just like yeah. pushing buttons, lighting fires, like trying to like <laughs> make a difference, but going about it all the wrong way. Totally. Last year, in a contrast, arguably the topic of conversation was pretty much identical, but the difference in outcome in said conversations was just drastic. Yeah. Um, and, but it was interesting because now, so the past, let's say two weeks ish, I've been just like really aggressively on Instagram, just like, you know, posting these like encyclopedia stories of just my thoughts and the words and things that I've been feeling. And I like really got anxious doing it. And I even like right now I have like a close friends group that I created to like just unfiltered unload because I'm like, if you want to hear my real thoughts and you know me enough yeah. and you want to sign up for this, you're not going to get mad at me if I say something you don't agree with yeah. because we've already got that contract in place. Like I have to curate but a safe place. Exactly. To do this. But I have to do it. I have to. Yeah. But I've also started like a lot of that's been bleeding out into my just general <laughs> stories. And I find myself saying things and I'm like, Oops. oh, this is this is going to go sideways real fast. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But I like weirdly like it's like I had this like weight lifted off my chest because I've been like holding back my like real thoughts for so long. Yeah. And it's like I like, you know kind of aggressive about this idea of like accountability and like making sure that like put in the hard work you have to you know do this 
to get what you're get to your goals. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I know that I need to like accept a little bit more grace in my own life, but I'm trying to figure out what this like middle ground looks like. Yeah. And I think right now I know that we need like at least a couple more voices just saying like, Hey, it's time for us to do the real work. Yeah. Gentle reminders. Yeah. And maybe not so gentle sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on board with that. I, this year I definitely, well, last year, I guess 2021 was a massive reassessment for me of how I put myself out because I definitely was in something of a tailspin at the end of 2020. I had sold my house and like just, un- I, I told you I'm extreme and I yeah. fuck things up for myself <laughs> a lot, but I just cut all of my tethers and was like gone and, and everything was, everything was uncertain. And I yeah. also was experiencing some deep grief from some things that happened outside of the pandemic, some losses that I had that year. And man, so when I, uh, the beginning of 2021, in March of 2021, I shut down all of my businesses, all of my revenue streams, except I kept a couple of my mentorship clients who had been around for a little while, and I, but I slashed my rates. So yeah. because I was so burnt out and I was like, this is not working. Like everything that I have learned, everything that I have implemented, somehow I had inverted it through through 2020 and through some of the the lessons that I guess I was trying to learn. Yeah. And I, it was like completely upside down and I was like, whoa. Um, and so I, I cut that. That's when I, I went to California in April and basically the whole year, I mean, I was deeply depressed and I have not felt that way since the last time I was partially hospitalized, which was the second time that I've done a partial hospitalization for anxiety and depression. And that was, I want to say that was in 2014. That may have been 2015. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Um, You know, the better, the better part of a decade. And it was interesting because this time my emotional intelligence and my resilience has improved so exponentially that even though it just gave me a totally different perspective, because even though I was so deeply depressed, like in it, I was still simultaneously very aware that I was in this completely irrational emotional space that I could not pull myself out of. And we, I mean, Sarah, who I live with, we were laughing, like she said at one point, right after I got there, she asked me about my dating life which is like, you know, not a thing that I really talk about with anybody but her. And I told her, I don't want to talk about that. It's too painful. And then like a week later, I was like sobbing, upset because I'm like, you don't ask me about my dating life and it's really painful. And she's like, Kelsey, what the fuck? Like, I can't like, what do you want? And I just, I'm like, I don't know, like nothing, like nothing was going to be okay. You know, nothing. And so, but, but like, I knew that I was in that place Uh, and so that was really, really fascinating. Like, okay, I just feel like shit. And I also knew without any doubt that that was going to lift at the exact moment that it was going to lift at. And so I didn't have any fighting around it. I didn't feel any shame with it. It just was what it was like from a completely objective place. I'm having this very, very human moment 
where some of my shit is has come fully to the surface and it has it is overwhelming me right now and I can't shake it but I'm taking accountability for that I'm getting out of bed in the morning I'm chipping away I'm doing the best that I can in this moment and actually I have an awareness through all of this bullshit that the best that I'm doing is it's a personal best. Like, and that's all I'm ever looking for. Like a personal best. Like I'm navigating this more gracefully than I've ever navigated this state in the past. And I'm real. that's enough. That's enough. I'm proud of that. And then, um, a friend of mine sent me some, some chocolate mushroom chocolates and speaking of pattern interrupts, right? Like, so pat, uh, travel is my favorite pattern interrupt. It's a super effective one. Um, but psychedelics might be a close second. I don't know. Um, intentional use of them. And so I started microdosing and that, that was like the pattern interrupt that I needed after about 12 weeks. I, it lifted completely, uh, which is great. Like, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, that was happening and, and simultaneously I was completely realigning my life. I had moved across the country twice, you know, I didn't know where I was going. So that was stupid. No, it was great. Um, (laughs) like it's, uh, you know, it was a lot, it was a lot. I sold all my stuff. I was dealing with car problems. Again, I had basically no income because I had stopped taking clients because I was super burnt out. And also I was kind of like, this is not it. Yeah. This is not the way that I want to be offering myself into the world. And knowing that I, I really had an opportunity to start with not necessarily a blank slate, but to take the best parts of what I had already created into this new uh, time in my life, this new chapter, if you will, and leave the things that needed to be left. Definitely. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There I think like being willing and able to like find those like transitionary periods and being like comfortable leaving whatever that part of your identity is. Cause it's like, I mean, I think about that all the time. It's like the thing that you find comfort in that is your identity that is you've like built up this like safety and this, you know, protective cage. And then all of a sudden to like just jump out and like look back but also be like well I think it's time to move on yeah because I'm you know you're starting to grow and all of a sudden that cage is now starting to like get a little bit uncomfortable in different places because like you've got shit you got to move through and move on I can say that it's pretty apparent to me that that's been a big part of my experience with depression yeah and It's something that I've done beautifully in my life that I also have felt some shame around because it's not like a normalized thing. Yeah. The fluidity and it's the thing that I get probably complimented on the most by people who have worked with me or just watched me over time and some people who just see it right away. Yeah. That it's the ability to be fluid and to do what I need to do and to let go of what needs let go of. And sometimes it takes me too long, which yeah. I think is too long, but I always getting there and being willing to let go of those parts of the identity. And it's, it's ugly, man. It is ugly when it's happening. And also that's definitely what happened this year. I let go. I shed, if you will, a massive part of my identity that was clinging on to, to certain things and the way that I thought I wanted it to look and 
moving out into the country really, really challenged that, that like every part of me, like, am I going to be here forever? Is this who I am now? Am I like country folk? Like, what about my city preference? (laughs) Like, do I grow things now? Do I wear cards? Like, I was gonna say, I gotta get a pair of cards and glowstones. And like, I know, like, <laughs> is this is this it? Like, how am I ever gonna meet a partner out here? All of these people are like really conservative. Like, I have slang words that I don't want to say on the air for them. Like, I have yeah. judgments and biases against these people. And I mean, I have judgments and bias against fo- city folk. Don't get me wrong, but like, yeah. this is representing a part of me that I don't think I want to tap into. <laughs> And, yeah. and then through the time that I've been there and meeting beautiful people and all of my judgments and my biases are being challenged like, and duh, like, of course, that's not surprising. Um, so I'm settling in and I'm like, oh, I like this. Yeah. I like this. It's wild. And I've been, cra- I crave that. Like after the bubble wrap, you know, a- awareness, yeah. it's the wild that I'm, I crave. It's the, it's space and building things and making things and like tangible stuff. And it's interesting. And it's just really interesting. It's, I, I just identify completely different now than I did a year ago. I feel like we can tie this all in back together into the like idea, the concept of like pattern disrupts, because like when you live in a city, you have the same yeah. square house, you go to the same grocery store, you probably go to the same gas station, not because it's cheaper or you have a specific reason, just because it's right there. You go to the same spa, you go get your hair cut at the same place. You have the place you go to breakfast on Tuesday and lunch on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. You have all these things. But all of a sudden when you're out in the country, the weather changes and the next thing you know, you're calling a tow truck because your car got stuck in the snow. It's, it's, it is fucking chaos and it is like everything that I have resisted and tried to avoid in my life and also the thing that I'm like, this is an adventure and I am so like, I'm never more well than when I am having to show up and do hard work. So back to that hard work thing, when I am having to be mindful and be immersed and present with my experience, like when shit is hitting the fan it's good for me. I think it's good for all of us probably, oh, but like if you can increase your, you know, your, um, resilience and, and all of that, but which is really the effort that I've been making, uh, you know, like one morning I went out and the, the kitchen is in one of the greenhouses. It's basically like a camp kitchen under yeah. a Costco carport right now. And we have these shelves set up with all of our food and all of our dishes and, when we set it up, we did not anchor it down and we got, uh, yeah, we learned a lesson. Like we got a massive rainstorm with huge gusts of wind and moved to the tent. I, the shelves were laying across the refrigerators. All of our dishes are smashed. The welder had oh, gotten no. stored in there for the night. So that's on the ground, like just a shit show, you know? And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, there goes my morning. Like I got, I have to deal with this. This is the yep. priority, whatever. And, and so again, it's that fluidity, fluidity and the ability to shift and move and adapt, right? adapt and overcome that is so uh brilliant and life-giving yeah it is okay so this is i I really feel to say this and i know we we could talk forever and i will i don't care but um you know i was referencing silvanaka farm and yeah. he did a, made a post on his stories. He riffs a lot in his stories, which I really, really like. He's yeah. just really fucking smart. And um, I love his perspective. And he's talking about 
look like wherever you think that place is that you're going to go and it's going to be this perfect place where things are set up for you and the community is what you, what you would, you know, you're it, the community is your definition of utopia. Those aren't his words, but I like that. Like yeah. whatever that is, it probably doesn't exist because at this point we need to admit and take accountability, take accountability for the fact that communities are largely broken. We don't even really know what that means. We, we really don't have a, a concept of community in this society. Uh, we have an opportunity here, a big one. And, you know, you have to, he says, you have to sweat in order yes. to build the future that you want. Or it, basically he says, like, resign yourself to, and I love this phrase, uh, restful disappointment. Yeah. And I see people who are very content and a, like, and I was like this, like obsessed with comfort. Oh, you, you were talking about dopamine earlier. And that was another yeah. part of it that I was going to say, like, I had this, this very short term gratification, very immature way of operating in the world. It was that like, I need, like, I need feel good hits. It was dopamine. Yep. Learning about dopamine really opened that up for me. 100%. Where am I getting the dopamine from? And I, all of that. It's like addict behavior and it's addict behavior 101. You fuck things up for yourself when you are obsessed with feeling good and you yep. do not know how to feel just okay. Exactly. Or or bad, but like that's another thing, but like just okay. Yeah. If you don't know how to feel just like grounded and normal and present in your the monotony of your day-to-day life, you're fucked. Good luck to yeah. you. So anyway, that restful discomfort, that really resonated with me. Like I I I don't want that or restful disappointment. Yeah. It's not something that I want. I, I, that's that, um, it's apathy. Yeah. It's like being on autopilot. Yes. It's like we, we it's all, apathetic. we all find something that we love to do and it's like, oh, maybe you get really good at it. And then you find yourself, you know, slaving away over making Excel spreadsheets <laughs> because you make half a million dollars a year, but mm-hmm. you have this like comfort that you've settled into because you think it's the job that you're going to want because it allows you to afford the lifestyle that you want. But then Mm -hmm. you realize that the sacrifice that you're making in that job every day is like maybe not necessarily worth it. And you would be happier if you lived out on a farm and made 10 grand a year, but Mm -hmm. you were growing your own food and spending every day focusing on like those things that, you know, you're directly or directly correlated to your day-to-day survival. Mm -hmm. And that's like a concept I've been coming back to, so much because over the past year I realized and part of it was for me like not having a ton of work this year I had a lot of time to spend inside my head and figuring out what I wanted to do and part of it I realized is the days when I would be you know working on the like rare project that would come in and all of a sudden realizing like I don't feel good like Mm. it would take me you know four to five times as long to do a project because I just couldn't muster the motivation yeah but then as soon as you know grace would order all of our dirt to fill our garden beds and i'll spend like six hours shoveling thousands of pounds of dirt yeah because it makes me feel alive and it was that realization that it's like and in the grand scheme of things i'm only one person so there's really only so much physical work i can do in a day before i'm tapped out totally and i realized like you know one progress can be like this little, you know, like you said back at the beginning, like don't try and make every single change in your life all at once. You got to do these like little baby steps. And then eventually those baby steps are going to start turning into like 
bigger steps and then you're going to be running and then all of a sudden you're going to realize that you know simply starting the baby steps down this path you're at a totally different place than where you started mm-hmm. yes yes there was something i was there was a point i was thinking to make when you were talking about um oh this is it so i have found and and through this year being at the farm and settling in there and getting dirty for the first time in a while like doing really physical heavy lifting this year for the first time in, in a couple of years yeah gave me clarity around i can't really do my best intellectual work unless i am balancing those efforts with the physical stuff. I don't produce good work. I don't produce work I'm proud of if I'm not using my body and 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 all of my like basically exhausting myself. Yeah. If I'm not 100%. physically exhausting myself, I am like sitting at my computer wanting to die <laughs> like yeah. or just like producing shit just to produce it and meet a deadline and and whatever. Yeah. And I was very much in that state when I was in Santa Fe because I was hiking like twice a day. But that's not like that's not building something. That's, That's actually not productive. Like it's yeah. productive to a point to be out in nature and be, you moving. know, be connected and yeah. be moving, but it's not producing anything, right? Exactly. So maybe there again, we have an opportunity to talk about the definition of productive. Yeah. If you're not, it wasn't like making anything or building anything or, you know, creating a meal or whatever. Um, I feel like it, like, it really also addresses that thing where it's like, we talk about we've, you know, hammered this home. Like people have to do the hard work. Yeah. And it's like, you know, going to an orange theory class or, you know, there's a thousand different ways that you can define hard work. Mm -hmm. But I think something that if you can attach a meaning or a purpose or a direction to that hard work, you're going to get, your returns are going to be 10, 20, hundred X what you're going to be feeling if you're just, going to this orange theory class because it, you know, you don't have to think for an hour and it gets your heart rate up and, you know, you get your daily sweat on, but like you're not going with an intentional purpose or a goal or, you know, I think that's like a big misstep in a lot of the way that we approach, whether it's trying to get healthy or lose weight or whatever it is, is it's like, you know, and I'm thankful that like the communities that I subscribe to and I'm like aware of, there's starting to be this massive shift in terms of Mm -hmm. like how we approach what your body is supposed to be and do. And part of that comes back to this idea that it's like, if you want to be an Olympic athlete, you are going to have to train, you know, six hours a day. You're going to have an in-house chef that's going to cook all of your meals. You're going to, you know, have a massage therapist on hand and have top of the line recovery probably if we're being honest some sort of performance enhancing drugs because who's not on something like that nowadays like Mm -hmm. there's all these different things that we don't talk about in terms of like what our goals are and so all of a sudden we just assume that like the only way that i'm going to get from not working out period to being normal is to just approach it the same way that an olympian does Mm. when the reality is like maybe what we need to do is audit our life And instead of saying, here's what I need to do, maybe say, here's maybe what I should stop doing. Yeah. And then see like that simple shift alone. Yes. Yeah. Is going to like get you most of the way to whatever your goal is. Mm -hmm. And then that last little bit 
you're not going to be fighting against your motivation or lack thereof to make those changes. You're just going to make it happen. Yeah. Well, I also think it's really important. And this was, was a big part of my shift to, so it's, you were saying like, you know, what the meaning that you attach to the goal or to like why you're working out, for instance, Mm -hmm. recognizing that most of the meaning that we've been taught to attach is all really superficial and it's all really based on some really fucked up values and ideologies that do drive a lot of this culture. Yeah. And so if you're going to say, I want to work out just to be thinner mm-hmm. or to be hot or to whatever, like, I just don't think that's really sustainable. Yeah. And it exactly. ha- has not been in my experience. And when I started to address like, what are my, what are actually my values? Like not what are the values that I think I'm supposed to have? And, and also asking the question, like, why does this culture, why does this society value X, Y, and Z in the fucking first place? I mean, as a woman, there was a lot of opportunity. I think men have it too, but my, my opportunity I realized as a woman was to stop thinking that I needed to present like a girl because of the misogyny that drives the culture and the values and, you know, our relation, my relationship to my body, Recognize, I'm getting way off topic here, but yeah, like my no. relation, what it's is good. topic? Yeah. My relationship to my body, recognizing that like, oh, I thought I needed to lose weight because I thought I was supposed to look a certain kind of way in order to be valuable, in order to be attractive, in order to be valuable, in order to bring something to the party. I thought that was the role that I had to play. And when I was able to like really address that and be like, yeah, that's fucking bullshit. Like these people yeah. are perverts, like obsessed with youth and young girls, like this culture yeah. sexually exploits young children and that is fucking weird. It's like not okay. When I horrible. stepped into like womanhood and owning that and the power that comes with womanhood, uh, my, my values, my, my objective changed. So now I don't work out because I think I need to lose weight. I mean, once exactly. in a while I have a little bit more on than I like to have just for me because I know I feel different. Yeah. But because I want to feel a certain kind of way, but really because I want to be strong and I want to be resilient. Absolutely. And I want to be able to survive. And all of that is tied into what I'm producing as far as my work goes, because that's what really drives me is that creative expression is what drives me. Exactly. So looking holistically at the context of life, and I I like that you use the term auditing your life, auditing your lifestyle to really like weed out, okay, what needs to be just removed? You know, and yes. not thinking that you're going to do all of that at once. Like I used to have the first couple of years, I would have, I had lots of lists of like, okay, what are audit? I do that. Yeah. I actually do that with my clients. That's a word that I use with them. That's like awesome. we, we do an assessment. We look at like, where are you at and where do you want to go? And then you just have it there. And it's not like you're approaching every single thing all at once. It's one thing at a time. Okay. Get up in the morning and make your fucking bed. Just that. Yep. Don't change anything else. It doesn't matter. Start simple. Like that's it, you know, kind of stuff. Um, And it's simple and it doesn't always mean it's easy, but uh, it definitely becomes easier. And again, it's all about that autopilot. Exactly. So rewiring your brain, reprogramming your autopilot, eventually these things just become habits and you don't have to think about them anymore. And then before you know it, you have 
this lifestyle that you've curated through these habits that is setting you up to expand your capacity to take on more responsibility, to be more accountable, to do more heavy lifting, to produce more, and just to feel better in general. Exactly. And that's it. Yeah. Man, I feel like that's like a perfect like (laughs) bow to the entirety of our conversation. Yeah. Um, I do have to say thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah. Um, this okay. was really incredible. And I think this is like an amalgamation of like all of the hundreds of conversations that we've had over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I'm really thankful for our friendship and being able to have these on a regular basis. Sometimes I wish people could see more of the like insanity that is us like <laughs> commentating on like the world going, you know, going to hell in a handbasket. But, you know. Yeah. Well, likewise, least, it's, I mean... Uh, it's been a lot of fun getting to know you because it's just been easy from the beginning. Um, and again, something to speak to, to those connections that we make Yes, and just going for it. Very much so. so. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks. Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you everybody for tuning into the show today. I really appreciated this wide ranging conversation that I got to have with Kelsey. Uh, I, No, for me personally, it was pretty much just a really solid reminder of advice that I need to take myself, and I hope that uh, you got some value out of it. If you did, please feel free to share this podcast, uh, send it to a friend that you think might enjoy it. Also, if you could subscribe, keep posted, and hopefully I will have more shows coming for you soon.